Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Richard Wayne. In the program this week, Super Rugby kicks off here. We round up the team's chances and turn the spotlight on last season's surprise strugglers, the Blues. The Warriors bring Rugby League to Dunedin for their final pre-season hit-out. We talk to the new coach, Matt Elliott. Ross Taylor finds some form with a ton against England and finds all the attention a bit overwhelming. And the champion breakers try not to cool their basketball shoes with a big 13 days between NBL outings. The New Zealand teams start their Super Rugby programs this weekend with high expectations on all the franchises. The Chiefs are of course the defending champions, while the previously underperforming Blues make a clean start under a new coach. Our rugby reporter Barry Guy says it's not just those sides that are under pressure. There's expectation on all five outfits to perform. This year all five teams should be contenders for the playoffs, although that may be a stretch for the Blues. Let's start with them. 12th in 2012 resulted in the end of Pat Lamb's reign. In come the Knights, Sir John Kerwin and Sir Graham Henry. They've taken over a side that is now without Jerome Kainal, Tony Woodcock and Ma'a Nonu. Kerwin was obviously annoyed when Nonu walked and with a side with very few big names is setting the bar high. You know, I think this is uh, the greatest time of our lives. A young man playing sport at the top level, so you don't want to have any regrets when you finish so every day I try and make sure that I bring my part to it and and that we deliver what is a fantastic you know profession but it needs to be an emotional one where you can't just not have emotion. Injuries will again affect their season. The Highlanders were ninth last year but they've been tipped by many to go a lot higher this year especially with gaining the experience of Woodcock, Nonu and Brad Thorne. However coach Jamie Joseph says name players don't make a team and so he dismisses any talk of high expectations. I don't know. I mean, I hear expectations all the time, but certainly from you blokes. I mean, I don't know. I haven't really had a thought about that. I guess if you look at the calibre of players on paper, but again, and I've said this many times, there's, there's been a lot of teams with a lot of good players that actually haven't um, functioned as a team. And so that's been really the focus and objective of our pre-season is making sure that we can build together and take that sort of three or four weeks which we've had to build a key society. Eighth last year with a surprise Hurricanes. Mark Hammett jettisoned the unwanted, and those that remain turned in a performance that got the fans back. Will that continue? Last year we were sort of sort of fighting out of the corner, I suppose, and, and this year it's if we want to be consistent and want to be a team that's always competitive, then we need to better handle pressure. One thing we did very well was well, while we didn't win games, we learned very quickly, and we didn't we didn't normally get spanked with the, with the same issue. So once again, hopefully those lessons are learned which ultimately means more wins. The Crusaders were fourth and made the playoffs again, as they have done every year since last winning it in 2008. They'll play without All Blacks captain Richie McCaw. Coach Todd Blackadder hasn't been able to add to the seven titles the Crusaders have previously won and says the expectation is no higher this year than any other. Yeah, I think there's too much of a burden to put on this team. This is a, a new team. You know, every time we talk about that, it's like we're looking back into the past. 
the past. It's been one of disappointment and one of underachievement, but this year is a fresh start, new thoughts and a new coaching team and new players. And we're just looking forward to the challenges that are ahead of us, and if we do that, then we'll be there at the end. There seems no reason why the Chiefs can't retain their title. They've lost Sonny Bill Williams, but do have 24 of last year's squad back who have looked good in pre-season. Heading into his second year in charge, coach Dave Rennie says they've all remained grounded, but he realises everyone knows they're now winners. There's obviously higher expectations from the community and maybe from the rugby public, but we set ourselves a goal of winning it last year and we had high expectations from within the group and so that hasn't changed and I guess we can't sneak into town anymore, but... It's where we wanted to be. We want to be uh, title contenders. So all five New Zealand franchises have a point to prove, and at least four of them will be left disappointed by the end of July. As Barry Guy noted in his report there, all eyes will be on the Blues this year, with high hopes in Auckland that Sir John Kerwin can get the inaugural and three-time champions back on track in his maiden season as a Super Rugby head coach. The Hurricanes are first up for the Blues in Wellington. Sir JK says he's excited and nervous. Probably a bit of both, really. More excited than nervous. The main thing for me is just to stay focused on what I need to do and enjoy it. I'm really looking forward to it. But there's a real excitement around the place, which is great. And we're underdogs too. So, you know, the Hurricanes have had their two seasons of, of rebuilding and everyone's excited and they're talking about being title contenders and they're a very big, good football side. So, you know, we're just going down there and, and going to have a crack. What's your biggest concern heading into the game? Oh, I just want us to perform well, you know, stay in process and just play to our ability. If we do that, we'll be in the hunt, and uh, you'll see that, and everyone will see that. Looking at pre-season, how much have you based it on form in pre-season as opposed to past success then, this particular selection? All on form, a new football team. Obviously with old heads like Ali and, and Luke, they probably get a little bit more of, of a look because they've been there and done that, and when you've got a young side like ours, but everyone else has been full-on in competition, so... I guess some of the more established guys have had a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a softer approach to it. So, you know, coming back from the All Blacks, but everyone's had a fair crack, and, and we're really happy with the side. In what the coach says was the hardest decision, former Highlander Chris Noakes got the nod at first five eighth ahead of debutante Baden Kerr. It'll be Noakes' first appearance in a Blues jersey, but the Auckland-born 27-year-old's extra time at the higher level gave him the edge. Well, it's been great. So we've sort of had half games each in all the pre-season games. And we knew that going into the game, so we knew that we were all going to have equal opportunity to get this 10 jersey in the, in the first chance in, in the competition. Baden's played really well, and I've been happy with, with how I'm going. There's certainly room for improvement, but um, yeah, stoked that I, I got the first crack. The all-black halfback Pity Wepu will play his 100th Super Rugby game against his old franchise in Wellington, while Rennie Ranger will bring up his 50th game starting at centre. Lock Cullum Retalick will also play his first game for the Blues, while County's Monaco wing Frank Halai will make his Super Rugby debut. Meanwhile, Adam Thompson has ended months of speculation as to where he'll next ply his trade after the 29-test All Black chose not to stay with the Highlanders. The Rugby World Cup winners signed a two-year deal with the Cannon Eagles in Japan, beginning when the Tokyo side season kicks off in August. Thompson's been the cornerstone of the Highlanders for the past five years. The loose forward playing all but six of the franchise's 71 games across that time. The 31-year-old will join former Highlanders teammates Cullen Bruce and Kane Thompson there, as well as former All Black Isaiah Toyava. And this is Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Richard Wayne. The New Zealand Warriors have their final pre-season game on Saturday against the Brisbane Broncos in Dunedin's indoor stadium.
The day after the Highlanders host Super Rugby champions, the Chiefs there. New Warriors coach Matt Elliott wants nothing less than a win after losses in both previous pre-season trial games against the Titans and Ivan Cleary's Panthers. Uh, well, work from a victory backwards. Obviously, we, we didn't show any any real... I thought we lacked a bit of zing on the weekend, but you know, we, we had a lot of guys playing their first bit of footy, which to me is an excuse rather than a reason. You know, we also need to show some commitment to our structures at play, which we didn't see on the weekend. Gave myself a little bit of a hiding about it, but when we actually reviewed the footage, it's, you know, what we need to do collectively is just put more effort into to making that stuff work for us. Dunedin's not a place known for us. Rugby league, you going to be doing anything special in the lead-up to the game? A few line-outs, a bit of line-out <laughs> practice, um, some rucking and mauling. No, mate, we're just going to get ready to play. The uh, NRL 9's concept, uh, Dean Lonigan's supposedly putting it towards the NRL Chief Executive, so what's your opinion on it? Are you, are you a fan? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Uh, I think there's a lot of benefits, as long as, again, we can use extended squads, and there's some acknowledgement that the guys who play in World Cup you know, really should have the opportunity not to be involved in that at all. You know, They should be putting their feet up watching it from the grandstand. I feel that it's a really good opportunity for us as a game to promote ourselves. It's a good opportunity for people to get a, you know, a little bit of looks at the whole the whole comp. You know, I think there's some merit. I don't know. I don't know about the concept, but some merit in you know having some invitations, you know, from international teams as well. I reckon that'd be great. You got Todd Lowry making his debut as well. Yeah, it's it's good. Two reasons. One, Todd will have to sing on the bus, so I'm interested to see uh, you know, what he's what he comes up with there. But I think we missed him on the weekend. His influence during the whole preseason on preparation has been notable and I guess with the absence of, of Nathan Friend you know, having that per, that type of personality in our pack you know, I was just actually having a chat to Steve Rapira so people actually portray our pack completely wrong you know, we, we're portrayed as a dynamic big pack but when you think about it, you know, Elijah Sam Rapira Simon Mannering Todd really what we've got is, is we've got the the makings of a hard-working grafting pack when you think about it. Obviously, Benny Matz has got a great engine as well, and we don't have Russell available at the moment, but uh, I think that well, we've got to build that that reputation because that's who we've got. You know, if, if we had a big dynamic pack, well, I'd be going down that path, but we've got actually a really hard-working grafting pack. Yeah, you've got a ball player there in Felitti and Mannering there, works all day. Yeah. Uh, what do you see? What role do you see Lowry fulfilling? I mean, he, he's very much in that same mould, isn't he? He'll, he'll play in the middle of the park. So, you know, you have a, you have, you know, sided back rowers and, and that'll basically, they'll, they'll roll through there occasionally, but that'll really be Simon and, and Felitti at this stage with some other guys coming into that position and Todd will, you know, hold the middle of our field. This is extra time. That's the new Warriors coach, Matt Elliott. Will it be a big year for the Auckland side after last season's disappointment? Well, speaking of letdowns, it took a few failures before the former Black Caps skipper Ross Taylor scored a much-needed century on Wednesday night. But it wasn't enough for the New Zealand cricketers as England levelled the one-day series in Napier. Taylor's 100 came after averaging just under 8 on his comeback in the 2020 series. Just like every time he's come out to bat since the controversial end to his captaincy, the 28-year-old attracted a lot of attention when he fronted a packed media conference on Thursday ahead of Saturday's series decider. Taylor spoke to the media for 12 and a half minutes, which is a fairly long interview by sports standards. 
He says he wishes his ton could have been in a winning effort. Mixed emotions a little bit. Uh, it's nice to obviously score 100 after the form I've been in, but um, obviously you, you play to win and, and we didn't win yesterday, which was disappointing. Obviously, uh, with what's going on, uh, it, was, it was nice to, to know that you can still bat. Uh, you know, I, I still didn't feel great out there, but it's, I guess it was even more satisfying to know that you can still score runs when you don't feel quite 100%. Ross Brendan said last night that there was never a question of if you would get your touch back, if you would get runs again, it was just a question of when it would come. Do you feel that in your own mind, that you, you never really doubted that you would get runs again? It was just when it would happen? Yeah, I guess any time you're a batsman, you, you've got to be realistic, and you, you always do think sometimes <laughs> maybe you... Maybe you just you just passed it. Hopefully at 28 or not. But yeah, I guess um, I always thought that I could score runs when I, I wasn't sure. But yeah, it was it was good to good to get out there and hopefully you know not get too carried away, but uh, make the most of it from now on. Taylor's come out onto the field to a raucous standing ovation from the crowd at every match since his return to international cricket. He's not sure whether the slow pace of his comebacks due to all of that or just rustiness. Uh, probably a combination of it all. You know, coming out at every game and, and getting a pretty, pretty amazing reception is, you know, it's not normal. And you do put extra pressure on yourself, whether consciously or subconsciously. And I think I did put a lot of pressure on myself. You know, 2020 is a, is a tough game to come in and smack the ball around from ball one when you've been out of the game for a while and, and the intensity and, and that uh, is lifted. But, um, you know, I started to get a little bit, uh, you know, I, I, I defended a couple out of the middle, I thought, in Hamilton, which, which started to feel good. and it was just nice to, to, to score 100. It's, it's nice. Every time you play international cricket, it's nice to be able to get up for it and having the crowd uh, do that is, you know, makes it even, even more or easier to get up for it. And As long as you don't get too hyped and too, too into it, it's, it is a nice feeling. And you know, I guess the 100 was for, for all the people that had supported me over the last little while. How significant do you think it could be that innings in terms of the first test? Because at least three of those guys out there will be in the England attack. Maybe even not, not so much getting 100 runs, but the time you spent out there, the balls you faced, how, how important do you think that'll be for you? Yeah, I think um, the, the balls will probably be, uh, you know, to spend three hours out in the middle will be um, invaluable going into the test match, not being able to, not having a four day innings leading into the test match. You know, spending time in the crease will be be good, but, you know, test match is totally different to a flat Napier wicket. Ross, um, you said before the 2020 series that your relationship with Mike Hesson is still a work in progress. How's, how's that coming along? I guess, especially in regard with your 100 last night. I mean, has he spoken to you about your batting or anything like that? Uh, I mean, he's, he speaks to all individuals. Um, you know, we, I haven't had a, a lot to talk with Hesson about. You know, he comes and has a, the odd chat and, and whatnot, but no, everything's going fine and, you know, don't know what else to say. <laughs> so he didn't give you a pat on the back after the time, so. Yeah, he said, well, better. Ross Taylor, the one-day series decider, is on Saturday at Eden Park. Finally, in extra time, the New Zealand Breakers. They will have had almost a fortnight between games by the time they run out against Adelaide at Victor Arena on Thursday night. With no National Basketball League fixture scheduled for the reigning back-to-back champions since the mid-February home win over Wollongong, the Breakers have instead been playing inter-squad scrimmages, including a tough full-practice game on Friday, albeit with six-minute quarters instead of the usual ten. But the Breakers are sitting pretty on top of the NBL table. They lead arch-rivals the Perth Wildcats by two losses, with five regular season games remaining for both sides. Still, one loss for the Breakers, and the Wildcats win all their remaining games, including the regular season finale against the Breakers in Perth, and it'll be the Western Australian side with home advantage throughout the playoffs. So it's pretty tight. 
The veteran guard CJ Bruton has won five NBL championships, including being part of Sydney's hat-trick of titles. So the 37-year-old former boomer knows how big a feat it would be to make it three rings in a row for the Breakers. Yeah, it's pretty impressive to me. I was part of Sydney and won a three-peat, but I was only part of the two titles. And to know that that club has been in for quite a long, you know, 25 years or maybe more at that point in time and play with someone like Jason Smith who was a, a Boomers player and I played against him and a lot and we've had our battles and our differences and now here we are, two elite players in the competition playing on the same team and we can fit and coexist and you know it's like Kirk Penny and myself, you know, coexist, uh, make him look good, he makes me look good and vice versa and then have uh, tall timber around you like here, you got Mika and Dylan Boucher who both been a part of both titles and both won titles outside before they came here so uh, to know what comes as a group and what sort of characters you bring uh, what energy and the, the commitment that they have to a team to be successful I think knowing that and going to war, war with them every day and finding out just how good their ticker is I want to know if, at the end of the day if you're going to come to war with me when we go to battle to know that you've got other guys that are are committed to, you know, we're not going to let someone hurt our, our teammate, but we've also got the same drive and commitment to this group to be successful. And we all take onus of that just as much as the coach does. Big week, really, uh, in terms of the season, perhaps. Well, two weeks, isn't it? Because you're not playing, it's about two weeks between games, mm. and yet you've got to come back and, and hopefully maintain that, that intensity, that momentum. I mean, this could actually be a crucial period when you're not playing. Uh, it, it is, and uh, I think it's almost at that point where it's well-deserved. We did play a good stretch of games and obviously uh, when we come back we, we end up coming back and we play Adelaide who aren't in the hunt of the playoffs right now. Uh, we come back against Cairns who's, you know, they, they're struggling but they, they're in the, with a chance to make the playoffs so we play teams that are not at the top of the table so to speak but still have that, you know, you, you, don't, you can't take nothing for granted. Eight teams in the competition, everyone wants to win and one game can make a season. The way it goes right now, everyone's pretty geeked and to be able to knock us off our pedestal when you've won 12 games is something that they can at least hold dear to their chest. You said um, one game can you know, make the season. At the moment, if you lose a game and Perth win all theirs, it's going to come down to that last game in Perth as to who has the minor premiership. So it kind of is must-win territory on your end. Uh, always, every game. I felt like uh, from the time that um, we lost to them in Perth, uh, really set the table, and and then again they lost one, which got us to the top of the table. And you know everyone's still guessing, oh, can the can the breakers beat them? Uh, doesn't matter till the end of the season. But I, I know for a fact that the, the last six or seven years, whoever's finished top of the ladder, having home court advantage has paid dividends, and that's why they've been champions at the very end. To prove to ourselves, if we just do what we need to do, stop worrying about, oh, here's what they do, they do this, they do this, we've got to worry about that, and then get frustrated when it happens because you're going to make shots, people make plays, that's why you play the game. You can't stop everybody, Everyone's, people are going to do some things that you know, you'd be like, wow, that was pretty special. But you just got to move on and go to the next player and make sure that over time you take away certain things from them, and I think that's where we did a good job, and we've done that over 12 games. I think uh, for the most part, you know, not all our games have been blowouts. You know? Our biggest win was against Perth in, in the, all the games that we played. So when you look at it, it's like, well, every team presents uh, different obstacles. And I think the way that we've handled uh, different situations has been good. A win's a win. You can't take that away. And at the end of the day, as you keep progressing, uh, every game that we play, it's, we're playing in front of packed houses now. So it's good for us to be on the road and see that sort of environment. 
uh, as you know, that in the finals, that's what you're going to see. And obviously at home, having all our fans come out and support us and having almost sellouts every game is another one for the other teams to know, hey, if you come across that ditch, hey, you're in trouble because our fans are packed, our players are already ready to go, and you pretty much just make sure you don't pack for too, too long because you're going home the next day. You mentioned winning ugly. Maybe you guys have mastered that this season. It's sort of two sides to that, isn't it? It's, it's good that you can play better, but maybe frustrating that you're not playing as well as you possibly could, but you're still winning. Yeah. Uh, def- I don't think we've definitely hit our straps, but we've definitely played better along the way. I think uh, after the Perth game, the talk was, oh, Ken, they've, they've played their best, and I don't really think that we played our best. Like We just did some of the things that we've done on every other game at a certain, certain level where those teams have been watching. Most of the guys in the league watch what's going on around the other teams and what they're doing and who does what and to know that they couldn't match the same intensity that we did at that point was something that well we have to find that that next time we play we have to find that but for us we they already set that bar on us in the in the first game so winning ugly it's just about how how you do it i think uh, cedric's let us you know like he's been the mvp of this league and He's led us in quite a few of our, our victories, but defensively, we're the best defensive team in the half court. In transition, we, we still give up, you know, 15, 15 points, which coaches, he's on us, and pretty much the first edits that we see when we walk in the locker room is, you know, three buckets that they scored in transition, and most teams know that, that you know, you've, you've got to score a few buckets in transition and keep the breakers on their back foot, but at the end of the day, if it, it turns into a half court or we get you to a half court trap, uh, there's pretty much a good chance that you're, <laughs> you're not going to win this ball game because yeah, you need to keep them moving and as long as you keep us moving, we can play at that pace too but it's just a matter of understanding how we do it. The Breakers guard CJ Bruton ending the show for this week. Thanks for listening. Feedback's welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz sport at radionz.co.nz You can get the latest sports news anytime on our website and we'll be back with the next web-only Extra Time show next week. I'm Richard Wayne. Bye for now. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.